Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, and I am the Dream Business Coach, and I have a really great guest today. If you are interested in expansion, automation, increase, higher profits, all of that good stuff, my guest is Richard Schnitzel, and he owns and operates a done-for-you automation company helping six-figure entrepreneurs build the automation they need to scale their businesses to seven figures and beyond. In his previous career as a mechanical engineer, he worked across all aspects of business from sales and estimating to project management and high-end design. Those experiences and a unique ability to communicate with right brain creative thinkers, that's not easy to do in your mechanical engineer, I know quite a few, um, allow him to understand what to do, how to do it, and most importantly, why you do it. So this allows Richard and his team to leverage the power of technology and save time with automation while still maintaining the authenticity of your business. Richard's automations are responsible for reclaiming thousands of hours in entrepreneurs' businesses. He believes automation doesn't have to be a dirty word and created the concept of authenticious. Authenticious. Okay. <laughs> have to ask me about that. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. No worries. And um, you're like the third. Uh, I'm doing a whole bunch of interviews this week, and you're like the third person from Connecticut. Is Connecticut the land of entrepreneurship, or am I just getting lucky here? Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. So you're a mechanical engineer, which means you, you think very methodically, black and white and things like that. So I'm very interested in how you got into the creative side of entrepreneurship and helping people with automation. But I first want to dig in a little bit to your background. Um, or, so you're an entrepreneur now, right? And uh, mm -hmm. you, have, you have your own business. Uh, did you have any role models for that? Did your parents, your grandparents aunts and uncles, or did you just kind of, are you like a first generation entrepreneur in your family? No, I had uh, quite a few role models throughout my family uh, and in my professional career that kind of led me down that path, down this path. You know, my father, when I was growing up, owned a four season landscaping business. My first job at 12 was taking over a couple of the properties that were close to my home and going and being responsible for understanding when I had to mow, doing the whole thing. It was, you know, he paid me exactly what he got paid from them, kind of opened my mind to the possibilities. And growing up, uh, my grandfather owned you know, a multi seven figure company that he ran for, I think, almost 30 years. Wow. Uh, and uh, my mother now owns her own business as well. And yeah, I've always worked with small organiz uh, small family-owned organizations that mm -hmm. always had that still that feeling of entrepreneurial mindset where you know put on the hat that you need to right now and get the work done. Don't you know try to chuck it off to somebody else? Like you kind of was lacking that corporate feel. And you know, I, I reached a point where in that journey, I felt like I had seen enough things happen and had enough experience that it was time for me to start my own journey. So a lot of people I talk to, Richard, say, um, 
yeah, I didn't have any role models. I'm first generation. And, you know, my parents put me through CPA school or lawyer school. And then I went and became, a, in your case, you went the opposite route. You had a whole bunch of entrepreneur, kind of like a pedigree, so to speak. And, but then you went to college to become a mechanical engineer. Did that please your parents or, or just follow your dreams at that point? Yeah, it, it definitely pleased my parents. Uh, so my grandfather who ran his own business, he had a degree in mechanical engineering. So I think okay. I got that first idea of doing that from him. Uh, for my parents, their thing was always that if I went to college, I had to go to college for something that I could make a career out of. And engineering, as you mentioned, uh, you know, my brain is very logical. I like the black and white. I like solving puzzles. I like being able to take this big web of things that's happening and come up with a solution that has no right or wrong answer, but you can take the inputs that you have and create something with it. And like that, that part of engineering, I really enjoyed. Uh, so I, you know, I, I went to engineering and for a long time, I thought that my probable path wasn't going to be part of entrepreneurship. I thought that maybe I, you know, climb the ladder someplace and have a, a high level, you know, C-suite job someplace and, and that yeah. would be the life. And then, uh, as I worked farther into my career, I started to realize that, yeah, that's good. But I think, you know, I was ignoring all those other influences in my life and they started creeping back in to me thinking, you know, I would be doing something for somebody and they tell me to do something. And I'd have this voice in the back of my head that says, I would have done that differently. I'd go do yeah. what they told me because that was my job. But I kept having this, like, if this was my company, I would have made a different choice. I would do this and I would do this and I would do this. And then I think that this outcome would be better. And I, I think it was for me to start realizing that that was trying to tell me something. So just out of curiosity, when you graduated with your degree in mechanical engineering, did you get a job for a while or did you just immediately go into uh, starting a business? No, I had a job for 10 years. Okay. So I, I graduated with my first job out of college. It was one of the reasons I chose the college that I went to because they had an amazing track record of placing people into uh, into positions before the graduation date. Gotcha. Wow. Well, you, you got a young face like me because <laughs> I, I didn't peg you for having 10 years and now, now you're, on, <laughs> you're on your own journey. Um, well, I used to have a young face. I guess I can't say that anymore. So let's talk about automation, automating your business. How did you, what part of uh, your background or your, your professional training um, did you decide to apply to automation? I mean, was that part of what you learned in mechanical engineering and how did, how did you realize that's a much needed um you know, thing for, for small businesses? Yeah. So the part of engineering that I apply is that piece of building a puzzle of the, all these different inputs, you know, automation is this great space where you can build almost anything that you want. So the amount of inputs coming in can be almost limitless. So how do you figure out what's important and then solve a problem using only the information that you need? So that part of the engineering is what makes me good at what I do, but I didn't start out trying to do this. I started out doing Facebook messenger bots because mm. I saw that the tech was really cool. I'm a, a tech geek as well. You know, I have five computers in my home. I run a Linux server. Like I, just, I really enjoy working with technology and I saw this opportunity. I thought, Hey, that's really cool. And I started you know, selling myself as somebody who could build the technology. I quickly learned that 
I am terrible at writing copy and that is not my strength. But during those conversations with people and with other people building the messenger bots, I would be the one who would tell people, hey, you know, they go, I have this great idea. I'd like to build this and this. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's possible. Just connect that and that and that. And then you have this at the end. And like, oh my God, that's like, how'd you come up with that that fast? Mm. And I started following where that path led me. And it was definitely not a straight path from starting a business to ending up in business automation. But I, I paid attention to what I was good at and I paid attention to what I enjoyed doing and what people were willing to say, yeah, okay, you're better at this than me. Here's, you know, here's some money and take care of it for me. And that path has led me to this point. So was um, Facebook bots and everything, was that like the first thing you got into? That was the first thing I did as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Wow. When I started my business. That's, that was my service. And when was that Richard? That would have been three and a half years ago. Okay. What's going on with bots today? I mean, um, I, I've used bots successfully for the last few years, but it seems like they're, I don't know, it, it seems like something gets hot, they work, and then a year or two later, something else comes or people tire of them. Where, where do you think bots are standing right now? I think that they have a very important purpose if they're used correctly. So okay. getting into the authenticious automation and kind of my view on automating a business. I think that in the technology space, we have this tendency to get a new toy and then do everything possible we can with it, regardless of whether or not it makes sense, because yeah. it's cool and it's something new. And I think that we're seeing that life cycle in bots. You know, they, they came out, they were really cool. They're incredibly powerful, but when you started using them, you pushed that avenue a little bit too far. And we found out where they lost their, their efficacy, right? For me, automation is efficiency and efficacy. Most things are more efficient. They do stuff faster, right? Bot absolutely can make a conversation more efficient, but it doesn't necessarily make that conversation better. And part of my role in helping a business is to understand where that line is between Okay, a bot should be available for somebody to you know, answer FAQs that are commonly come up, maybe give them an avenue to talk to a salesman if they're looking for something and ask them a few questions before they talk to that salesman. So when they get in direct contact with them, the salesman can go, okay, yeah, I know that you are looking at product A, you have this budget, this is a little bit of background so that I can have a better conversation with you and make you feel better about our interaction. Right. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I think things tend to get real hot and then they kind of slowly burn out. Something else comes in and gets real hot. You know, the life cycle of these programs and products and, and things like that is just amazingly fast anymore. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I think that the thing you need to look for is when they start to burn out, figure out what they still do really well. And then that's the purpose for that tool. Hmm, that's good. So let's talk about automation because I, I know that's kind of your bailiwick and things like that. And I know you might say, well, I can do it all. But I, so when you think of automation in a small business, let's say you have a small business doing $250,000, they'd love to get to seven figures. What What is the most uh, needed sense of automation? Is it in marketing? Is, is it in order fulfillment, customer service? Like 
where, where do you think the greatest need is? Yeah, I think that it's definitely not in marketing. I think if you're at $250,000, you're probably doing something right with your marketing. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to start there with you. What I want to focus on is fulfillment and client management. Because one of the great things that automation can provide is giving you a clear insight into what's going on in your business without you having to go to multiple points to get data. And in the tasks that you're doing to manage a client, I call it starting with a human and ending with a human. So you have new client comes on board and you need to onboard them. Or uh, a great example is you're selling a physical product. So somebody buys a physical product. You get a notification in from your whatever your sales Up provider is with commerce. Yeah, whatever that is. Okay. And most people then have a bunch of manual things that need to happen. First step is for them to log into a couple different programs and get all the information that they need to do. Mm -hmm. So instead of them starting at that point, provide all of the information at the beginning of everything that they need to know to do the task. Let them do part of it, make the key decisions that need to be made. Maybe, you know, you have to decide whether or not to ship it by USPS or UPS. You need to decide what size box it is. Like, there's some things that it takes the a human brain and being able to think on their feet to figure out. Then automate everything after that to tell the customer that everything's going on, send the information to the next person in the line instead of handing that by you know, go, walking down the hall and talking to them, just give them a path to pull it all together and make the decisions and move on to the next point. Gotcha. So, um, so fulfillment and customer interaction. Um, <clears throat> what are, what are the, is that the primary role you're working with your clients today? I know you started about three years ago. Is that where your primary business operates today? The, the, Business today goes through all three aspects. So I break the business down into the client intake, which is marketing and everything up until the point that somebody makes a sale, the client management, which is everything that happens behind the scenes for you to ensure that somebody gets what they're supposed to get and they get it in a way that they're expecting. And then fulfillment, which is everything that's customer facing of giving them that product. And I help people walk through their entire business and all of those three areas. And we have a conversation about what they're doing. And I pick their brain and ask them the questions that help them articulate what it is that they're doing. So I have my engineering brain, but I also have through a series of fortunate events of the people that I've known in my life, an ability to communicate with people who aren't engineers and mm -hmm. help them understand what I think is very easy and translate it into kind of non-engineer speak, right? It's, I can use a very different language than people who aren't engineers are. And I've gotten good at being the translator between those two. So in those conversations, I can ask, okay, well, why are you doing that? What is it about what you just told me that is the really important part of this? Oh, okay, it's this? Well, Here's what that means if we're talking about your active campaign sequence. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Now I understand what I need to do, what's possible. Mm. And from that, we can build the automation that makes sense for whatever you're doing in your business. 
How does a business owner know if they need automation? You know, a lot of business owners I talk to, some of the ones that I coach and stuff like that, they're they're thinking most of them are driven by top line sales, increased revenue, get more clients, get more customers, make more sales. When do you know if you need automation? Great question. I would say that most of the people I work with don't know 100% that they need automation. They know that automation may be a tool that they can use to grow their business because they're looking at their playbook and all of the tools that they've known of in the past, increase marketing, hire another salesman, hire another admin person to take on the initial workload of that salesman. They look at that playbook and they go, there's got to be a better way. I, I don't want to just keep hiring people. I would like to be able to take my team and grow another 30, 40% and and not have to go through that same playbook over and over again. I've heard about automation. Maybe there's something there. If that's mm. if you have that mindset, then we should have a conversation. And in a 20-minute call, I can help you understand whether or not there's anything there for you with what I can provide. So what is authenticious? automation kind of word word you invented it looks like yeah definitely a word i invented that is authentic and conscious uh, so that is you know, building automation that doesn't give you that icky feeling of a phone tree when you're you know dialing six punching six numbers in and you still can't get to a human and so maintaining the fact that your business got to the point that you're at because you're providing a product that people really like. And we don't want to lose that authenticity of what got you to where you are. We want to maintain that. And the conscious part of that is building the automation in a way that we're really thinking about it, getting back to that new toy. Let's try to do everything that we can do. For me, I don't like doing that. I, my background in engineering has shown me many examples of when somebody who is logically thinking goes, oh, this is possible. This would be cool to build and just builds it and doesn't think about the larger repercussions or interactions of what's going on. It can have really negative effects on what we're applying it to. So it's really about being very conscious of, okay, I'm going to build this. This is what's going to happen. What does that mean for everything else that goes on in your business? If I give you a messenger bot that can completely take away the need to have an admin handling calls, what does that actually mean for your business, right? Is that something that we should even be discussing or which is the case in most instances, should we take part of that and then provide a level for your admin when you need that last 20% of complicated things that the bot should never do to begin with? Richard, is automation, is it like software? Is it like processes? I mean, does it always, um, uh, well, it probably doesn't replace current staff. It probably lessens the need that you're going to need more, I would think. But, you know, well, that's a big question. I'll, I'll stop there and <laughs> see how you handle it. <laughs> uh, okay, so automation is both of those things. They are inexplicably tied. The process and the creating standing operating procedures and creating a method for people in your organizations to know what it is they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it is, is directly tied to the automation that we build. So the automation, what it's doing is code, yes, but to get the most out of that, we also need to pair that with the operational side 
of your business so that people, you know, if I just hand somebody some automation and say, here, this is what it's supposed to do. And they don't understand it. They may use it for a week. The next week they'll use it half the time. And the third week they won't use it at all. And when you ask them why they stopped, they're going to say, well, that one thing changed and I couldn't figure it out. So I just went back to the way that I used to do it because that's what I understood. And hmm. tying automation and operations together solves that problem. Do you find that there is um, pushback amongst employees, staff member, team members, whatever you want to call them? Because, I mean, in some in some companies, probably larger, I would think, automation kind of means, oh, I'm being replaced, put out the pasture. Yeah, I, I do definitely see pushback all the time. And the number one thing that causes that is a miscommunication between what we're trying to build and what the perceived reason is. So you mentioned, you know, I'm trying to replace you is kind of the assumption that most people have when they think about automation and what I'm building is not that. So it's about handling that is talking with whoever's responsible for what the task is that we're augmenting with automation, getting their input early so that they begin to understand that they are involved in the process, that they aren't being replaced, and that what we're doing is actually going to make it easier for them to do their job. Because if I can, can show somebody that, look, you're handling 100 orders a day and you barely have time to take a coffee break and you go home and you need an hour because your brain is so fried from out throughout the day, I'm trying to make it so that you can do your job well, you can you know, never make any mistakes, or at least drastically reduce your mistakes. And at the end of the day, you're still energized and you have time to go live your life. That's a very different conversation than, hey, I'm gonna make it so that you don't you can go do something else in the company. I don't I don't need you to do fulfillment anymore. Hmm. So it's important to have that conversation and include people so that they understand what we're trying to do. Right. So are most of the um, uh, gigs, projects, you know, client work that you do, is it customized or um, do you use some uh, software that exists now? And I don't know if these are good names or bad names, but, you know, like uh, uh, Workflow or NetSuite, things like that. Are there tools that you use and you help people get engaged with them and, and figure out how to work them? Or do you, is everything custom with your company? Yeah. So we do use a couple tools. Uh, Zapier, NetSuite, Integramat. Uh, there's a couple big automation names out there. Uh, so they are no-code solutions. So they've kind of handled a little bit of the back end for us. Uh, and we use them as a tool. And then we can also layer on top of that additional custom integrations through tools like uh, G Suite code and uh, Slack robots, Slack bots that uh, can expand on the tools that are already available. So it's it's a homogenation of all of those, of taking what's out there as tools. I don't want to reinvent the wheel if I don't have to. Engineers are also inherently lazy in that aspect, right? Somebody built it before and it's working. Why don't we just use that? So speaking with all the companies and being in the space, I have a large data store in my brain of, okay, we use this before, this worked for this, that worked for that. And I can pull those out of the memory banks and go, okay, yeah, we did that before. This was really similar. Why don't we start here? And then how is your process different than the way we did it before? And let's 
change and restructure that last workflow so that it works within your business. And so do you work mostly with small businesses? Do you work with large corporations or are you mostly small business focused, Richard? I'm mostly small business focused. I really enjoy that conversation with somebody who's in that low mid six figure business range of figuring out where we can get them so that they can scale your business. I think for me, the challenges and the problems that they've been through are fun for me to solve. And from a frank point of view, they're what I understand. Uh, Uh Most of the businesses that I've been involved with have been just into low seven figures. And my underst- I have a great deal of understanding for the six-figure entrepreneur. So I, I don't think that it would be authentic for me to try to talk with a multi-seven-figure business about what's going on and provide them you know, real solutions. I think, you know, talk to me in a couple of years and that may change. But for the moment, this is, this is my niche. This is where I enjoy playing and this is what I'm really good at. So if someone needed to automate uh, their marketing, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of said you're you're more of the operations, fulfillment, things like that. Or do you also do marketing? But I also do marketing. I have, so I, I, I do the puzzle solving and then I have a team in my, behind me that does the building and I have a member on my team who, if it's marketing based, I connect her with the client they have. Uh, that's where they come from, creating marketing copy, building sales funnel flows, uh, all that. So we, we can handle any component of the business when it comes to automation. Do you put together your own funnels? Do you use another, do you use common, I don't want to say the name, but common funnel software, or if somebody wants to build a funnel, do they come to you? Is that considered automation? Uh, we use common funnel programs and within each of those programs, they all have a form of their own automation of, you know, if this, then that, send this email, if this happens, send that email instead of that happened. So we can build that basic structure within the program. And then we also have the ability to tie those programs into something else. So if you're using an email <laughs> marketing software and you have a CRM as another program, we can connect the two so that the decisions made in your email marketing can be as a result of something that you happened in your CRM. Got it. Uh, my last question, um, what's the number one reason somebody should consider automation today if, if they're say doing you know the uh, mid, to, mid to high five figure range? Uh, the number one reason that you should automate is because it can open up a whole world to you of possibilities to for your business to run and for your business to scale that if you haven't had this conversation before, uh, you don't know because you don't know. Uh, and I think that if the only thing that you do is talk with me for 20 minutes and I can help you understand what's possible, I think that that's beneficial. I don't care if we work together. I just want people to understand what the possibilities are so that it becomes part of their toolkit for making decisions. Wonderful. Well, how can people connect with you and uh, learn more about what you do and your uh, authenticious automation, Richard? Yeah. So the website is richardschnitzel.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a link on there to book a 20 minute call with me on my calendar where we can discuss your business, what's going on and, and talk through that idea of, I think automation may be something that's a good idea for me and I'd, I'd like to know more.
Wonderful. Richard, thanks so much for being my special guest this week. I greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Richard Schnitzel on automation. His website is Richard Schnitzel. I'll spell that. It'll be a link down below. S-C-H-N-I-T-Z-E-L dot com. And um, my name is Captain Jim Palmer. I'm the Dream Business Coach. You can find me at getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested in my mastermind group, that is Dream Biz Coaching, Dream B-I-Z, coaching.com. But until this time next week, another fantastic interview. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.